kind of the service has skewed this a little bit, but uh, when you woke up this morning, let's say, and you thought, what are we celebrating today? How many of you, the very first thing that came into your mind was Youth Day? Wow, that's very interesting. And how many, the very first thing that came into your mind was Father's Day? Okay, hold on. And how many of you had no clue at all? whole bunch of people. John, I feel sorry for you if you had no clue at all. <laughs> um, really interesting thing is that in some communities, all you hear about is Father's Day. Especially, I noticed this in the shopping malls. You know, everything is about buy stuff for dad. Um, but in most communities across this country, the big thing today is Youth Day. And from yesterday until tomorrow, there are huge uh, Youth Day celebrations across this country. I saw one of my staff this morning. Um, he was just coming to pick up a vehicle. I said, Happy Father's Day. He said, Oh, yes, Happy Father's Day. He said, It's a funny thing. It's Youth Day and Father's Day. But Youth Day is really the big thing. That takes the, the prominence over Father's Day, doesn't it? So I said, I'm going to use that this morning. Because <laughs> it's true. And who sees what celebration is more important has a lot to do with the context they come from. Um, there was once a teacher asked her class, what is Father's Day, kids? And one kid said, well, it's basically the same as Mother's Day, except the presents are a lot smaller. <laughs> and I guess that does sum it up. <laughs> I guess that does sum it up. Um, the feeling that children have towards their mothers is often much warmer um, than their fathers. Interestingly, when I got my Monopoly this morning, that was my Father's Day gift, my kids told me that, and it was even more than we spent on mommy. So <laughs> I cracked that one. <laughs> but uh, there's often, for, for many young people, um, probably including my own kids, a much warmer feeling towards their mother than towards their father. And that can be for a lot of different reasons. I suppose a father is often less present. Often the father is working and the mother is working part-time or maybe is more at home. Sometimes the father's just away a lot. I know from my own life, as as we enter our teens, our relationships with our fathers become a bit strained often in that period. But I think there's a much bigger reason that Father's Day is less of a thing um, in many, many communities. Um, and in some areas, it's completely forgotten. You see, in almost every community across this country, absent fathers is a problem. Father's just not being around. In fact, I uh, looked at some really interesting stats this week. In, only 36% of children in this country live with their fathers. And that is actually getting worse. In August 2018, last year, there was, there was a report by Stats SA that in the previous year, 2017, only, sorry, in, in 2017, 61.7% of births registered had no father's name on them. In South Africa, 61.7, almost 62% of babies born in 2017 were registered without details of a father. That means almost two out of three children in our country do not even have a father's name on their birth certificate. I want you just to let that sink in. They will have no meaningful contact over their lives with the man who is their father. And many others will not either. I think I've told you before that the research we've done has cost in the townships and rural areas we work in places fatherlessness between 70 and 80%. And what we mean by that is a father who is entirely absent 
from the child's life, no regular or meaningful contact with the father. So it's a problem everywhere, but this is poorest, uh, this is worst in our poorest communities. So you might then, it might make sense, because how big of a deal would Father's Day be in a community where the vast majority of young people don't even know who their fathers are? And yet in those communities, by and large, they, they would be the ones who would particularly remember with pride and with hope the Soweto uprising of 16th of June 1976 as the beginning of the end of apartheid when young people stood up with their bravery and their blood turned the tide of injustice in this country. That's real hope. That's real inspiration. And for most people, it's far more real and tangible than that forgotten ideal of a father. And in many other communities where Father's Day is a big thing and Youth Day is entirely forgotten, those communities are largely made up of people who never suffered under apartheid and for whom there's no real significance of that struggle. George and I are sharing the pulpit today, so we're going backwards and forwards, but George is going to share some stats with us. Good morning, church. So these... This issue is very close to my heart. Uh, the last 10 years, I spent a lot of time in the townships, uh, you know, working with young people, trying to model, you know, fatherhood. And now being a dad, it's even more interesting. And you know, I think it's easier uh, before you get there. Uh, the truth is uh, that the role that the fathers play is very critical to our young generation, whether they become nation builders or destroyers. And, and, and I think sometimes... I've been so blessed to be here to, you know, just to experience, you know, what really, what does it really mean to have a father? Because in, in, I think the interpretation out there is many things, but yet God has made it very clear for us what fatherhood should look like. So here's some interesting stats from Howard University. Um, they talk about 85% of children having behavior Having behavioral problems come from fatherless homes. Uh, 90% of homeless children come from fatherless homes. Uh, 71% of children not finishing school come from fatherless homes. Uh, 63% of children attempting suicide come from fatherless homes. And those stats, I know the, the American stats, <laughs> but the reality, like John Ray said, uh, about you know, 64% of our young people in South Africa don't have a dad. Um, and the challenging thing is today in our townships, uh, it's quite scary. About 50% uh, of kids that drop out of school is because there's no dads there. Uh, there's a very interesting uh, article, and you can maybe pick uh, uh, some of it out there, um, by Sonke, Gender Justice. Um, it's the first report ever done like this. Um, so what it says is, the single biggest factor causing fatherlessness, sadly, it's poverty. The single, the main thing that causes that is poverty because most people, uh, you know, I don't know the history here, but I know like in Kenya, I had, we were seven of us, you know, and one dad. And he has to hustle. You know, he has to make sure for him being a dad meant providing for us. So he wasn't there. He wasn't, he was there, but he wasn't there, if I might say that. You know, and being there, I think I've experienced what being there feels like, you know, to be able to reason together, to be able to really spend quality time with him. And what was very interesting is 
I saw his absence actually now as an adult and looking at my sisters, how his absence actually and just him being there affects them now as adults who are married. Um, I was saying to John Ray that one of the fascinating things I see with my sisters is when things are not going great in their marriages, they, they lack stock because they don't know whether they should call dad or what, you know, because they, they never had the chance to really get that affirmation from him and really get to connect with him. So growing up without fathers makes children more likely to experience emotional disturbances and depression. And boys in particular are more likely to display aggressive behavior. Uh, on the other end, girls who grow up with fathers will display high esteem, lower levels of risk sexual behavior, and fewer difficulties in forming and maintaining romantic relationship later in life. Their less likelihood they have a less likelihood of having early pregnancy, bearing children outside marriage, and getting divorced. So I think for us, you know, I think as we celebrate this Father's Day, we have to really say, you know, what is God calling us as dad to do? More than just providing, more than just giving the stuff to our kids, you know, being present. And I'll, I'll lead us to there uh, later. Thanks, George. <clears throat> As George was giving those stats, as he said, the American stats, and the rate of fatherlessness in America is, is half of what it is here. It's about 35%. Um, so that also tells a story. So today um, is also a celebration of the role that youth played in the liberation of South Africa. But what's interesting to me is I read the stories of many of those struggle heroes. And I went and looked at 15-year-old Hastings and Lovo, who was possibly the first child along with, um, kind of blank on the other guy's name, who was killed. Sorry? Hector Peterson, of course. Thank you. Um, and Hastings had a very strong family, a father who was a, a school principal who plowed a lot into him, and he was, he was a strong leader in that movement. And we, and we go right through the struggle movement, and we find those who were strong, stable people, all up to Soro Ramaphosa, um, and we find that their fathers were actually very influential in their lives. I'm not talking about those that were very violent, etc., but those that were strong. Um, Samuel Ramaphosa was described as a gentleman who loved to read books, loved to go to church, loved to discuss issues with his son, and raised his son to be a leader in the church, in the university Christian movement, and eventually the president of South Africa. So even as we look back on those youth that were instrumental in changing this nation, we find the role of fathers present there in those years. Psalm 112, verse 1 and 2 says, How blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. His children will be mighty on the earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. How blessed is the man who fears the Lord. His children will be mighty on the earth. Why will his children, why will the children of the righteous be mighty on the earth? Because of the way he raises them. Because of his presence in their life and the spiritual influence. Not just that he's there and he takes them out to do fun things. But that he speaks about spiritual issues, deep issues with his children. George is going to talk us through four issues of fatherhood. Awesome. So there's these four things, like in my walk with the Lord and as God has blessed me with 
other fathers and people that have really kind of raised me up, they really stand out. But they stand out because this is what God does to us and he expects from us to pass on to our kids. So one of these things is identity. Fathers confer identity. The Bible says in 1 John 3, 1 says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that, and that is what we are. The reason we, the world does not know us is that it did not know him. It did not know him. We find our identity in God. God calls us his children. There's another beautiful verse of love that says, those who accepted him, he gave, him the, he gave them the privilege to be called children of God. And being children of God is a, is a beautiful thing, you know, because we realize that if we don't have a dad, God plays that role. And we can believe that what he says about us is what it is. We sang, we say, I am who you say I am. The question is, do we believe that? Do I believe that I am who God says I am? And for our children, that's, that's what we call to, to help them understand who they are. Another thing that father does, <clears throat> and I love this, is authority, establishing authority. I love Deuteronomy. I know this is a very common verse. We do it here in church, and it's, it's a beautiful verse in Deuteronomy 6. Uh, six and seven, it says, Father, these commandments that I give you today must be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk around the ro- along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. God, through his word, his word is authority in our lives. He says, I've, I've given you these words. And I want these words not just to remain with you, but for us to really pass them on. And what does that mean? We use God's word as the authority to discipline our child, to train up our kids. We use that to model that because we believe it's what is good uh, for us and for them. To develop their spiritual and moral authority, you know, to help them understand that this is, this is, this is what we are. This is what life is about. Help use the word to help them set boundaries, you know, because... We know if there's no boundaries, they'll try and make their own boundaries. So we have to use that and help um, with that. And then the other thing is we do these things not because we want to express authority on them, because we want to teach them obedience. When God gives us those words or God asks us to do something, it's because he wants to see, are we obedient? Do we trust in him? Do we trust that what he says is the right thing for us? And we want also to make sure that through obedience, we can have respect for all. Another beautiful thing I've learned about God, he provides security for us. We find our safety in God. We know that God protects us. We've seen that across the Old Testament. God was always there to provide. And as dad, God calls us to provide the security for our children. Uh, Psalm 127 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. The security our kids need, the security of their convictions. You know, they need to be secure in what they they know about God. Um, When it comes to direction, you know, for their lives, they know that God holds their lives in their hands. And they need to be secure in that, that when when we tell them, go, this one, they're secure. They know you have the best interest for their lives. 
The same thing when God calls us to something, we can trust in that and we can be secure in that. Emotional stability, you know, especially for girls, they need that from dads. I know sometimes it's awkward because as they become teenagers, there's a lot of changes, but they still need us to be there. And I can see that, like I said, with my sisters today, how they struggle with that when, they, when, when things don't work in their marriages. And then the last thing that I've really come to learn from God and as a father I need to do is to validate potential in my kids. Uh, there's a verse in John 14, 12 says, Very truly I tell you, this is Jesus at the end of his ministry. He says, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Jesus says, guys, don't just marvel at what I've done. If you believe in me, you can do more. He's affirming his disciples. He's saying, you can do it. And then uh, Proverbs 22, 6 says, start children. Start children off on the way they should go. And even when they are old, they will not turn away from it. One of the most amazing things for me is when I come across young people who've had a great relationship with their dad. They say, oh, my dad said this. You know, my dad said this. You know, they, they know, they believe what their dad said, and they ran with it. So when it comes to validating potential, my son Miles, he's three. <laughs> so culturally, you know, in our Kenyan context, I said to him, I had to pass this on. It doesn't matter, he's in Westville. <laughs> I say, in Kenya, you don't call me George. You say daddy. So one day, he, he knows that, and it was a big thing between everybody calling me Georgie around him, and he trans, figuring out, no, he's dad. So one day, I don't know what I was doing at home. I was distracted, and, and I was trying to help him work out his Paw Patrol puzzles. And he was getting frustrated, and I keep saying, no, you can do it. You, you have to get that thing done. So one day, he's working on it, and I'm not paying attention, and he's like, look, daddy, look. Look, I figured it out. But I'm just, I, I wasn't hearing he just got tired of saying daddy. And he says, Georgie, look. <laughs> and I had to, I had to like, oh my gosh, what's happening? And I was like, I had to pay attention. And I felt so guilty. And I say, wow, I need to be careful, you know, not to be distracted, to really keep celebrating him even when he dies well. Another thing is to affirm according to seasons. You know, we go through different seasons in life. And, and as dads, we need to be there. That's what God does. You know, it says in times of trouble, God is there. Same thing for us as dad. When, when it's tough time for our kids, we need to be there and help them know they're going to get through it. And then the last one is, no, the, another one is affirm a child according to their gifts. So I have this missionary friend. His name is Brian Clark. He showed up in the slums of Kenya. He came out there to preach. And I was in the slums of Madare. And this guy just came into my life and he was like, George, man, I think... God is going to use you, man. The way I see you talking, God is going to use you. And I'm like, dude, I'm a, I'm a guy from the hood. These dogs don't listen to me. But he's like, no, God is going to use you, man. God is going to use you. And then he left. He says, George, I want to keep in touch with you because I believe God is going to use you. And I was like, who's this guy? Like, I, Nobody's ever said anything positive. Let me surprise you, by the way. In the hood, it's very rare people say something nice to you. I've tried it with birthdays with the kids. I say, okay, it's this kid's birthday and the whole team. I want you guys to say something positive about him. They're like, hey, they start laughing because I don't know what to say. So when this guy said to me, God will use me, I was like, it, it took me really by surprise. And I, I kind of believed it. But my favorite part of the whole thing was 
I got an email, and back then you you couldn't get email on your phone, so you'd have to drive to the city Nairobi to act, to go to the cyber cafe to access internet. And one of the most amazing things for me when I would check his emails, they will always end with "I love you." And I'd never seen those. I'd never heard those words from my dad, from anybody. I never thought, guys, actually, you can tell another guy I love you, you know? And it's like really real, you know? And, and that really started challenging me and started thinking, wow, I am actually somebody. Maybe God will use me. But yeah, I really thank God for that. And then the last one is the rite of passage. Their time comes for boys where they can just be like, man, you, you're now a man. And if you're a man, I'm going to treat you like a man. It will come that time for us as, as men. We need to help our boys know like now you're becoming a man. And we need to change how we treat them to know that they also need to be responsible and be men. Thank you. Thank you, George. <laughs> Just to wrap up, um, in the Old Testament, one of the most prominent prophecies is in Malachi Chapter 4, verse 5, and it's talking about this messenger who will come ahead of the, of the Messiah to announce the Messiah. And, and one of the very specific things that this messenger will do, it says, is to bring reconciliation between fathers and children. It says, see, I send you the prophet Elijah before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, or else I will come and strike the land with destruction. Two things that we learn from this passage. The one is that God wants reconciliation between fathers and children before he can reveal himself. And the second is that there are consequences of there not being reconciliation, relationship between fathers and children. And that is destruction, a curse of destruction on the land in the nation. In a very real way, this kind of counterbalances with with the, the, the commandment that which is we reminded of in Ephesians chapter 6, children obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which Paul reminds us is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy a long life on the earth. And so we see that when there are healthy and strong father-child relationships, even father-child-mother relationships, God can reveal himself. Children experience success in life, and the land experiences blessing, the nation experiences blessing. But where there is no reconciliation, there is a curse. There is a sense of destruction over the country. And we have this crisis in our nation of fathers and youth, fathers and children, relationships that are broken. And Malachi, the book of Malachi, really tells us that unless we can fix that crisis, it's going to have a devastating, it is already having a devastating effect on our country. And this crisis, you see, is, is not only with you and your own children. It's a crisis of a nation of youth without fathers. What can we really do about that? Psalm 68 describes... God as a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows. He sets the lonely in families and leads out the prisoners with singing. A father to the fatherless who sets the lonely in families. That, that's what God does. And repeatedly in the Bible, we see God held up as the image of the ultimate father who we as fathers need to emulate. God is the one who is the father to the fatherless. The stats I gave you earlier about Youth in South Africa tell a story of a generation in crisis 
But more than that, they tell a story of a crisis of parenthood, a crisis of fatherhood. And the only way we're going to fix that, and I've said this before and I'm sure I'll say it again, but the only way we're going to fix this is by being better fathers and mothers ourselves to our own children, but not only to our own children, to those who have no parental, especially no father figure in their lives. Like um, like George's friend, who, or the man who came in as a father to him and affirmed him, one of the most critical people to help him to move from growing up in poverty to a place of success, you know, in every way, in career, in, in, in family, in, in academics. It was the father who was so critical, but not his own father, but somebody who stepped in and played a father role in his life. Now, I know that all of us have contact with children or with young people that need a father figure. If you have children, like my age children, or even up to university children at home, they're going to have friends. They're going to bring their friends around. I hope your, your home is a place where your children's friends are welcome and where you are modeling fatherhood. What about your nephews, your nieces, your grandchildren? Children you meet, children in the church, children that you come in contact with, you model fatherhood to them. Do you do those things? Do you, do you validate their potential? Do you um, provide security? Do you establish authority? Do you confer identity? These are things we can do. What about the children of, of your domestic worker or your gardener? Are they welcome in your house? Do you display, do you model family life to them? Do you model fatherhood to them? Perhaps you don't have time to, I'm sure you don't have time to mentor and care for every young person that you know, but you can still model it in little ways all the time. And you'll be amazed what a little thing here or there will do, a little comment or statement will do for a young person. So this is a challenge to all of us out there, and we're gonna, I'm going to close just with prayer, and the worship team's going to come up and lead us in another song. But I want to challenge every man, whether you're a biological father or not, to be a father, to be a better father to your own children, to be a better father to your nephews, your nieces, your grandchildren, to be a better father to every single child that comes across your path. And and perhaps, even as I say that, you have an image of a child in your mind. Perhaps there's an image of a child that comes to your mind right now, and you think, yo, I could be a father to that child. So if God has challenged you today, as we pray as a man, I want to just invite you to stand with me. And, it, and if you're a mom, I know I've spoken to dads because it's Father's Day. But if you're a mom and you're also feeling a challenge, I need to be a better mom to somebody else, better mom to my children. Perhaps you also want to stand as we pray and we commit ourselves to God as fathers and as mothers. Let's, let's bow our heads and pray. And, and please stand with me if you'd like, like to do that. Father God, thank you for modeling fatherhood to us and motherhood. Thank you for being the great eternal father who is perfect in every way. And we pray that you will make us better fathers. I pray for me. Make me a better father. Make me more patient, more kind, more strong. May my children look to me with admiration, with pride, with affection and with love. Each of us pray this, Lord, to you today.
that you will make us parents to this generation and in this nation. And that thousands of young people one day will testify, I am who I am because of that man or that woman and what they did in my life. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen.